Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast. This is a little preview before we get into the actual podcast. We have a special guest as Donnie Hess from the USFL's Des Moines Roosters and get an update on his team. We talked to him prior to the season beginning. Going into this past weekend, they had a game on Saturday. I can tell you that the Roosters defeated Kansas City. 77 to 42. That was 11, 11, 77 to 6, 6, 42 on the AFL scoring system. If you know about the goals and behinds and the total, uh, how it is uh, shown on a box score. All right. Before we get with Donnie, I also want to give a shout out to Anthony, who's not with us this week, but we'll be back uh, here maybe at the end of this week, at the beginning of next week and give him an opportunity to talk about Brian Shaw and his disappointments there and my defense of Brian Shaw and, of course, the Terry Francona situation, him stepping aside for his health and DeMarlo Hale taking over as interim manager in 2021 here. So we're going to get all that next week, but first let's talk about Donnie Hess from the USAFL as we get into the Des Moines Roosters and talk about some footy from down under. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode number 146 of the podcast. And it's now time to bring in Coach Donnie Hess, of the Des Moines Roosters. We had them on earlier this year. We're going to get an update on the Roosters. Matter of fact, they uh, they got a match tomorrow, according to the website. So let's start there, Donnie. Talk about your team and uh, what what has transpired so far this season. Uh, well, it's it's it, we're still relatively early because I, I, especially with COVID, kind of kind of pushing a lot of stuff and our startings back. We had our first games of the year. We had a doubleheader down in Kansas City a couple of weeks ago against Kansas City and St. Louis both teams that are kind of recovering, shall we say they were, they were a couple of teams that were dormant. They, they had people that occasionally wanted to play. They just didn't have the numbers to be a sufficient side. And this year, I think a little bit of a, a combination of COVID has intrigued some people because so many people saw it. And in and, and the fact, I think a lot of people want to get out of the house. They, they don't want to be stuck in the house anymore. So St. Louis and Kansas City have had a revival shall we say. So we went down and had a three-team tournament where we each played each other once. And um, I'm, I'm ha- proud to say that our boys pulled, picked up a couple of victories in that, beating Kansas, beating Kansas City in a, in a tough, rugged game and then a kind of more open game against St. Louis. I think we our experience kind of showed up a, a lot in that second game and we kind of put the hammer down a little bit. And then this weekend we have a, another rematch with Kansas City, but they are coming up here to Des Moines, which will be the first game in Des Moines in over a year. So we are absolutely ecstatic for this game. It's probably going to be a smaller sided game. I think the numbers are going to be a little bit lower, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're, we're hoping and keeping an eye on the weather that the rain stays away so we don't have to play wet weather footy. But um, if we do, I think it'll be a lot of fun because it's been very, very hot here in Des Moines with some of the heat warnings and stuff like that. So I don't think too many of the guys are going to complain too much if they get rained on tomorrow. No, at this time of the year, sometimes it's nice to stay cool while you're being active. As long as it's not storming, we're good, right? Just a nice little yep. shower, a nice little downpour won't hurt anybody. 
Yep, because if we get lightning, we have to step off. In fact, in right. that Kansas City game, we had with a, when St. Louis and Kansas City played in between our games, uh, we had a 45-minute lightning delay because we had to wait till we had no lightning strikes and had at least 15 minutes in between the last lightning strike. So, unfortunately, playing in the summertime over here sometimes, especially in the Midwest, when, you, when you've got some nice storms, sometimes can be a little tricky, but I don't think it's supposed to storm tomorrow. I think it's only supposed to be rain, which I think is good because then we'll, we'll at least get the game in on time. So, tell me, what's the distance between uh, Des Moines and, and uh, Kansas City? Uh, driving time is about two and a half hours. I'd have to look up the mileage specifically. There That's are good closest. There, there are closest team. Minnesota's next at about three, three and a half, just kind of depending. St. Louis is a little bit longer. We also have Madison and Chicago in the area, which are, you're starting to get five and six hour trips, which are, they're hard sometimes because you got to leave at five or six in the morning. So then you're there by 10 or 11 for a game at one. And then right. you have to decide, do you want to get in a hotel for the night or do you want to make the five hour trek back home after playing a rough game? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe the euphoria gets you the first hour or two back, but then you realize you got two or three more to go. Makes it a little, a little more difficult no matter what. Yeah, well, well, the good thing about me coaching is, is that I, I don't expend as much energy. So I know one year when we went to Chicago, I was the guy that drove to and back to kind of let the guys that did play, let, let them relax, shall we say. So I think a little bit during the ride home, they fell asleep. So it happened. Uh, hey, totally understandable. The good news is you guys are able to play and uh, the first two games. Now, those are full full squads or were you like uh, 15 or 16? Uh, those squads, it kind of fluctuated. When we played Kansas City, I believe we played 15s or 14s. was one of those two. And with, with St. Mm-hmm. Louis, they had a little bit of a smaller squad, so we ended up playing 12s. Uh, the best thing about the USAFL is there's kind of this um, camaraderie. We all want to play footy, so there, there occasionally will be a chance when you go on the road, the home team will substitute or give you players from the home team to be able to kind of even out your numbers. We ended up only having 13 go on that trip and uh so we had a f- couple of kansas city guys join us for for that particular tournament as well and then we had a couple guys go down with hamstring injuries which are so much fun sometimes so you always kind of got to be flexible but the good thing is i think everybody just wants to play footy and, and we just want to have competitive games so we try to make the the competition as even as possible which i think is really really good it shows a kind of camaraderie amongst the clubs which i think is really really beneficial talking about the uh, the sub regionals that'll be coming up here in the next month uh when is your uh sub regional uh scheduled and uh, where's it at august 14th would be our sub regional and we will be in the great state of Ma- great state of wisconsin in madison where we will most likely match up against a lot of our central regional um foes with minnesota chicago uh madison as well since they're home st louis i'm not sure about Kansas city at this present point. And I know, I think we're going to, tr- I think uh, the women have the competition there as well. And I think they may ha- even have Denver um, there as well. Wow. So a nice uh, collection of uh, sides uh, getting together for that. So it should be, uh, I imagine everyone pretty excited about it. what's that date again, uh, August 14th. It's a Saturday. Um, it's not, it's pretty much an all day thing. I think we'll do pool play. And then the best team, the team that has the best record out of the two pools uh, will play each other for the division championships, depending on how they seed it. Right now, we're still kind of in the early seeding phase with games and stuff like that. So if you keep an eye on USAFL.com or any of the USAFL's um, 
uh, social media. I think they're starting to kind of come out with some of the pools and some of the seating for, cause I know there's sub regionals on the seventh and I think it's San Francisco in and Cincinnati. Yep, and Cincinnati are the other are yes. the are the two then, and you'll get those you know, those regional teams in that area will be playing that, and then I know ours will probably come out here in the next week or so. That should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to uh, the following it online and uh, uh, wishing you and the Roosters the, uh, the most success, not just tomorrow, but uh, as the season continues towards the sub regionals here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we really appreciate it. We're 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 gaining we're gaining more and more followers, not only here in the states, but especially in Australia too. I've 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 found some kinship with some Australians that have just absolutely fallen in love with our little club. In fact, I had several that we we got put on our news station. One of the news stations here in Des Moines, one of the sportscasters, came out to our training and he filmed us and everything like that. And I've had a lot of a lot of international love shall we say from some of the australians i think it's really cool that a small state and a small city has a footy team that's that's progressing and we're not we're not wilting away after all the COVID issues talk about what's going on in the afl the news has broken the last 24 48 hours about uh hawthorne and the coaching changing and the uh well let's put it, put it this way uh the continuing storyline of clarko and what's going on there what's your thoughts Oh man, this, this has just been an absolute, um, pardon my French, you know, what storm with, with this whole thing. Cause it was, it was a couple, it was a couple weeks ago that Jeff Kennett, the president of Hawthorne came out with, um, with, uh, Alistair Clarkson and basically said there will eventually be a secession plan from him to Sam Mitchell, who is a young up and coming coach who played for Hawthorne during its dynasty days in the early teens, 13, 14, 15, where they won three straight flags in a row. And for many people, Sam Mitchell is one of the best up and coming assistant coaches. Well, he was being pursued by Collingwood after Nathan Buckley decided to resign after it basically looked like he was not going to be um, re re-upped at Collingwood. So Sam Mitchell had uh, expressed interest in a Collingwood job. Collingwood expressed interest in Sam Mitchell. Well, Hawthorne in a fit of brilliance decided, oh yeah, Sam Mitchell, we don't want you to go anywhere. So we're going to make this really rash decision that we are going to let one of the best coaches in all of the AFL in the last 30 years. Um, We're going to let Alistair Clarkson's contract go. And then we're going to give you the head coaching job. So this is going to be our succession plan. They come out and you can tell it's very awkward. Uh, Mitchell and Clarkton do not look comfortable. They they kind of were told this maybe 45 minutes before this uh, this particular uh, press conference, and it has been an absolute media storm ever since. There was there were rumors coming out that um, that Sam Mitchell had had told the board. Um, I want Clarkson gone. I, I, I don't think I want to be under him for a year. I want to take the team over next year. Then he comes out, Mitchell comes out on SEN and goes, no, I didn't say that. He goes, in fact, I really want Alistair here. I think there's still some things I need to learn. Clarkson goes on a rant two days later during a media conference saying, I'm going to stay here for the contract. I'm a man of my word. My contract is still for another year. I'm not going anywhere. The reason he said this is so many news newspaper and media throughout Victoria and throughout footy were saying Clarkson's going to leave. He's not going to stay. Clarkson's going to go. He's not going to stay. And there was just so many different storylines. And then eventually yesterday Clarkson was coaching and him and Jeff Kennett, the president had a, had a meeting. And all of a sudden there was a press conference and they said Clarkson is done at the end of the year uh, that he will be, 
he will he will not be have his last year of his contract he'll he'll be relieved of his duties he's stepping away he'll still get his last year which is about nearly a million dollars worth of pay so next year he doesn't actually have to coach and he's still going to get paid so this has just been an absolute nut nutty situation over the last probably 72 hours to almost another couple of weeks since the initial um, announcement of the secession plan from Alistair Clarkson to Sam Mitchell. Yeah. Well, you know, I can't blame him. You get to a point where uh, you're not being put in a situation to know what's going on when everything is behind closed doors. And then you're informed of the just being made. That's just not the way you do it. I know it's the way it's done. Uh, it's done a lot that way in a lot of sports, but the teams or the organizations, I should say that, that are more open and let uh, information know to those involved usually have a better success rate on transitions. And this mm-hmm. transition, as you just described, uh, was, you know, as you put it, uh, and I'll put it more frankly, a shit show. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really, you can't do it that way. I mean, obviously it's done that way all the time in sports. It, does, it doesn't just happen in the AFL. It happens many places. You just can't do it that way. It doesn't work. I'm going to find it interesting and I'm going to make a comparison here and it's not really the same, but like here in Ohio, of course, Northeast Ohio, uh, Terry Francona just stepped away from the Indians for the rest of the year before his health concern. Now he's going to have surgery on his hip and his foot and he really can't be, you know, manage, which we understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now last year, because of COVID and his health problems, he and his bench coach both didn't, weren't available last year and that uh, 60 game schedule sandy alomar took over and of course had a very successful year and and had a playoff run now here we come into 2021 and here's the same scenario where terry francona is stepping aside for the rest of the year and will make a decision at the end of the year you know about his future he wants to manage but he'll wait and see how his health allows him sandy alomar went back to being a first base coach and is passed over as the interim manager for a brand new coach that was brought in this year in DeMarlo uh, Holly. And, and it's not something against DeMarlo because, I mean, he, he just deserves an opportunity like anybody else. But you got to imagine there's some people in the organization or within the, uh, the locker room who are going to be wondering, now, wait a minute, Sandy was good enough last year, but he's not good enough this year. Mm-hmm. And, and you get these succession problems. I'm not saying it's going to happen in Cleveland. I think they have a uh, pretty good organization from top to bottom with and then how, how they communicate with players and coaching staff. So it may not be a problem. But again, just using that same type of example, uh, when you have a succession question, mm-hmm. it can cause a lot of um, anguish uh, in a locker room. Well, and, and my thing is, is that it's the easiest way to tell it to, to a lot of Americans, the equivalency of how good Clarkso, Clarko, was, Clarko is, really, is the easiest way that I equivalent is, is a lot of people know Bill Belichick is one of the best coaches in the NFL. The easiest way to, to say it is, is if Bill Belichick in this season, okay, this season is being said that his top assistant, his top assistant coach, I think is Garrett or offensive coordinators who a lot of people have said is a potential head coaching job that this year he's going to be the coach in waiting for next for next, next season. season yeah but then eight games into the season or nine games into the season shall we say just kind of trying to equivalent it here he's 
four and he's he's three and five and then the president goes yeah well we're not we're not in the mood to wait you're going to be done after this year you're not going to get through through next year that's literally the equivalency since clarkson has four cups four flags in in less than 12 yes. years including three in a row 13 14 15 and, and, and he was basically many people consider him the best coach in the modern era so that's how magnet that's how massive this decision is in the afl like i said that's bill belichick getting released after a after a four and four start i mean that's literally the equivalency of what we have here now the last two years for hawthorne have not been massively successful they have not made the finals they won't make the finals this year i'm pretty sure of that in fact there's still a chance that hawthorne could win the wooden spoon for the worst possible record in the entire afl which i don't think um their president mr Kennett, would mind because then he'd get his overall number one overall pick and he'd get the best kid in the draft which would be nice but it comes with a lot of pain of an of, of a horrendous season and now you're switching to a new coach and he's going to try to make up for a wooden spoon season. So it's kind of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things going on. It's just absolutely crazy. Yeah. Just to uh, hit home what you're just saying, North Melbourne and Hawthorne uh, both uh, basically are uh, tied for that final spot on the, uh, on the ladder in the mm-hmm. AFL with Hawthorne, just uh, percentage points better uh, at 17 and 18 and they both uh with just 18 qualified points in, in the standing so uh, it tells you everything you need to know right there and then of course there's my collingwood magpie saying now wait a minute guys we can lose the rest of the season too we have a chance to get that wooden spoon true but the <laughs> only the only issue with collingwood is is that there's one tiny caveat that most collingwood fans don't want to remember Last year during the trade period, they traded their number, their first overall pick this year yes. to GWS to move up in the draft. So as much as Collingwood fans would would wouldn't mind being getting that wooden spoon, their issue is is then they're handing the number one overall pick to the GWS Giants. And the other worst part is is that one of the kids in the top part of the draft in the top three is a father son for Collingwood, the Dacos boy, yes. who, who they would have first choice over. The problem is that they don't get that number one overall pick since GWS has it. Now they have to use all of their picks to get the points to match a bid if somebody bids on him. So, whoa. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talk about a uh, mismanaged uh, organization for the last four or five seasons. It's been Collingwood, and it's finally caught up to them. And 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 go with everything that they've had to deal with, with the racism problem and everything else. What happened this past season it was very predictable. It was even more predictable once they made such a late season change at the top of the helm. Mm-hmm. And then you have a really a, a coach that is a sitting duck waiting for something to happen. And of course gets halfway through the season, recognizes what's going on and they make the change. And now, you know, you, you have a chance for a clean break. Now it's Collingwood. They don't do clean breaks very well. So uh, we'll, we'll just wait and see. I mean, it was, like I said, the opportunity was there to do spectacular change, life changing type numbers and uh, do something that would be out of the norm. But uh, the norm, in the sense of her calling, what came back to haunt them. And I think it's going to haunt them for a while, simply because 
they, they're they're in a disarray. They have to figure mm-hmm. out their house uh, from top to bottom. And right now, in my opinion, they don't have that. They're gonna they're gonna be kind of like floundering in the wind. I think they have enough talent to bounce back pretty quickly. But you also need that organization to to uh, lead the way, at, you know, from the top to the bottom. And right now, I think the the front office and the coaching staff type scenario is is in disarray. So. We'll see if they can uh, straighten that ship out. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot harder said than done. Yeah, and the crazy part about it is, is it's not just on the field too. There, there are board issues and there are president issues that exactly. are kind of not helping. I really think th- this Collingwood season and even its off season with all of the trades, trading Stevenson, trading mm-hmm. Shalore, trading your number one pick for the next season to GWS to move up in the draft for other things, it, it has been a dumpster fire. If if I'm being as nice as I possibly I mean, can, you're being honest. I, if 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 you're calling if you're a Collingwood Magpies fan, you really want this season to end, and it's not helping that one of your leaders, Scott Pendlebury, goes down with a broken leg in the last round, and and you're just you're such in disarray. And and Coach Harvey, the caretaker coach, I just I feel for him because there's nothing much that he can do. He's literally steering a ship that has no rudder and no crew. I mean, he's literally has nothing to help him out. Yeah. I, I, he's a sitting duck. He's not going to get the job. There's already, like I said, there's talk that Clarkson may potentially take it. There's all sorts of assistants that are up for it. So if I, if I'm calling wood, I almost just want to go get me through round 23 so we can just go home. Well, that's exactly it. But I think you hit the nail on the head there. If they get a gift to bring in someone of that caliber, who then can not just bring his leadership and his credibility to the organization, but hopefully bring people with him from around the league that he knows to give that team some stability. I think that in the long term might be the, the saving grace of turning that ship around a lot quicker. Uh, there's two ways to go about it. A complete rebuild where you tear it down and you're willing to take the lumps for the next two, three seasons and build back up with a brand new coach and coaching staff and in, in front office that's going to work with them and, and understand that. Or you take maybe trying to take a few months off of that pyramid and say, well, if we bring in a veteran with that type of caliber and that type of uh, prestige and who then would be able to use his connections throughout the league to, to uh, rebuild this organization, it could literally take years off of a rebuild and i think knowing what little of calling would i do but i think that's the dream scenario for them is to land that type of person i still think the the in-house needs seems to always be the strongest with them and uh you know once a magpie all a magpie type thinking and you have to go through the you know the players the ex-players the the uh, the coaching you know tree and everything else uh, before they go outside. But sometimes going outside in a scenario like this, probably in my opinion, most welcome scenario for that for that organization. Yeah, the one thing I got to give the Magpies though that, that I think not everybody's talking about is they've debuted a lot of youngsters. They, they have had a lot of young guys come in this year. And, and I think many of them, they've stumbled a little bit, but I think they've progressed. I think they're playing better. Um, I think the building blocks are there. They'll 
they'll match any bid for 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 uh, the the Dacos kid who's going to be like I said one of the top three picks in the draft for sure. There, there's absolutely no doubt. Their issue is he may be the only one they bring in from the draft, unfortunately. In, in I'm I'm still chasing stories because I've still heard some rumors that they still may have some cap issues. So they may try to go younger. They may ship out a Pendleberry or a steel side bottom and try to get a youngster or at least a couple of draft picks, not only to pick up points to get the day to get Dacos, but also to maybe just maybe bring in a, another mid range 19, 20 year old youngster that maybe just needs a new fresh start at a new club and maybe Collingwood will be able to do it. He'll get a chance to play and everything like that. So there's a lot of things still to go. The, the, the free agency, the trade period, and the draft are going to be quite interesting for the black and white this year because they're going to have to make some moves on many levels to try to maybe kickstart the rebuild. Like you said, maybe progress it a couple of years faster, but it's going to take a lot to be able to do that question. Let's talk about your swans uh, hanging in at the number six spot on the, uh, on the ladder. They're up and down, but they're hanging strong. They got a good percentage. I'm not concerned. I think the finals is, is there. I mean, it would take a catastrophic failure from this point on for that to happen. Not wishing that at all on them, by the way, and not trying to jinx them because that's what I'm good at. Uh, but they're you know they're hanging right in there you know they have the the 48 points they got an eight point lead over the seven and eight spot i like them being a spoiler this year in in the finals if they get a chance they can knock off one of the the top teams they're the seriously the wild card of the eight like if if as a swan as a swan supporter swans fan this year has been quite interesting watching the footy shows over the weekend because once they started getting into the eight, like the first four weeks, they go four and oh, they smash mm-hmm. Richmond. And a lot of people are like, whoa, where did, where did this come? And even I, I am, I am a diehard Swans fan, but even I did not see this coming. I did not see them going from 16th in the ladder to sixth. And literally if they win this morning, 4:40 AM for, for my time here in the central, um, they play Essendon. They win that game. They're pretty much in because there's three games left and they would have at least a two game advantage. So they'll probably make the finals with one more win. So I agree with you. I think they've got one foot in, I think one more win and it's there. They're guaranteed a final spot, but they, they had that lull in the middle of the year. They lost to gold coast. They lost a couple of games. They probably shouldn't have, but they've come back from the bye. got kind of, they, they just fell short against port. And since then they've been red hot. They've given me heart palpitations because they decided <laughs> to go down in the, the last two games. They've went down by double digits early yes. and have had to come roaring back in both of them. But the crazy part about it is you take this, this young team with a lot of players that have less than 50 games under the, under their belts. And they're playing better than you would think they're playing such good footy. They're moving the footy really well. And Lance buddy Franklin is back to him self he's not been injured very much this year he's playing better footy he's kicking goals but my favorite part about him is he is such a team guy like i love that about this guy is he may be a superstar but he is willing to pass the ball to a teammate to let them score a goal Mm -hmm. he's gonna rush and get a tackle he's gonna look for a teammate going down the field he's gonna be the first person to the guy that kicked the goal to give him a high five and a hug 
or to rub him on the top of his head if he's a, rather shorter than, than Buddy, which is always kind of hilarious with some of his small forwards in his group because he likes to treat them like his kids. But that's my favorite part about it. There's just such a unity about this Swans team. I don't, I, I can't put my finger on it, but I agree with you. I think they are a wild card in this finals that if they can get on a roll, if they go into the finals winning four or five in a row, they're going to scare some teams in that second round. If they can, if they can win that elimination final, I, I really have a hard time seeing them getting to fourth unless port and Brisbane fall apart. Uh, Brisbane, even with them at points, port's got a four point lead, but ports road home is not super difficult this week against GWS. I think it's their most, their toughest test and they should win it. But GWS has been Jekyll and Hyde this year. So we, we, you just never know, but if that happens and and Sydney gets into that four spot, they're going to cause a lot of trouble for Geelong and and that top four to the point where it it could be quite fun to see this young Sydney side, just have a crack in the finals. I'm not expecting them to win the finals. I, I, I just think that there, there are a few pieces short. They're, they're still rather young. I think they still need a little bit more experience. I think they need to grow up a little bit. But I think in the next couple of years, this one team, if they can keep them healthy and they can keep them together, they are a flag contender with the way they are built. And it's going to be fun to watch this Swans team. But I, I can't tell you how many times I've looked the last two quarters. Those, those first two quarters of the last two games have been like, oh, God, really? Are we going to fall apart now? <laughs> so it's they, they, they've scared me a little bit, but the, the free the Frio game, they come roaring back in the GWS game and they come roaring back. So I got to give it my, my swans. My swans are just, I think they're just trying to test my loyalty a little bit. What was the outcome or was there no uh, decision made or what, what happened with uh, Buddy Franklin's uh, with the, the elbow the, on that high hit uh, in the last match? Okay, this this is this has been a, a, a such a, a fun debate, an interesting debate amongst uh, the AFL media. Um, the decision came that he he appealed the decision. The original decision was one match ban for a head high contact, medium impact, careless. So he got a one game suspension. Uh, the Swans and Buddy Franklin appealed that decision, and upon review by the match review office, or MRO as they call it, they rescinded the one match ban and gave him a fine. The reason they rescinded it, because a lot of people are like, he threw an elbow, he threw an elbow. Well, yes, he did. He threw an elbow. I'm not going to deny that. In fact, personally, I'll say this to you. I may be a Swans fan, but he should have got a week. He didn't. And the reason he didn't was because the MRO – in three previous events, very all very similar to what Buddy did, all gave fines and were not suspended. I've I've seen many people come out and go, "Well, Buddy's a protected species." <laughs> uh, in, yes. in in, in yes. air quotes here he's a protected species. He's kind of like the New York Yankees that they always get the calls. Well, here's the thing. He's not a protected species when there are three events that happened earlier in the year, two in round one, where Nathan Asbury and Neil and, and um, Joe Danaher both threw forearms or upper arms into opponents behind them in very similar motions to what Buddy did. That's two. A third one happened a few weeks ago with Luke Shuey, who threw a forearm into Callum Mills's jaw. 
same similar action, same similar outcome. All the players were not hurt. They continued action, no concussion situations at all. Same thing with Buddy. He throws the elbow. Again, I completely agree. Yes, he threw an elbow. Yes, he should have been suspended. The problem is the AFL lost that case because in three previous events, they find him. Buddy fought showed those three the mro really couldn't say well you're wrong nope they were like well you're right we didn't here's a three thousand dollar fine you can still play this week and that's basically the way it gave the way it went personally asbury danaher shuey all should have been suspended because they weren't that's why buddy got off it wasn't because buddy was a was a protected player or he's a superstar and we can't suspend him aka the nhl when Sidney crosby <laughs> or some of these guys hit somebody we're only going to find him because we can't have superstars being out. so i've I've had this discussion with people and it's not because I'm a Buddy Franklin fan. I, I really think he's a heck of a player. He's he's a one in a, in a lifetime player. He's 17 goals away from a thousand. Yes. Whether he'll get to it in the regular season or not, I'm not sure. He faces an Essendon team this week that he's been notorious for kicking a ton of goals against. So like a lot of people are crossing their fingers. He kicks five or six tonight and gives him a chance with three games left to potentially hit a thousand in the regular season, I'm not sure if he'll get that. I think he's more worried about winning another flag um, with Sydney this year. But that's, I mean, I there's no other argument than you can make. I mean, he made a perfect argument. MRO really couldn't argue it, and he's playing this week. No, I mean, that's the way the system works. Uh, you have that right to the Adam Bill, and uh, if you can show evidence that this decision is different from the rest of the, what has transpired prior, uh, there's no problem with it. I, I personally had no problem with the, I actually could go back and say, because there was no stoppage in play, there was no, you know, uh, ruling against buddy during the game. When that happened, that actually goes to his favor going forward. And I can't speak about the other incidents, but, but my understanding is similar where the game continued action without any, you know, a ruling on, by the umpires on the field. So I think if the if there was a ruling on the field, I think he has a much tougher time uh, changing the uh, the outcome of that. I, I think they were all what they call reported. Um, so they right. all every single one of the events was reported with referee goes, you're reported for striking. Um, and then that's the reason why the, the AFL originally looks into it. But I believe all of them also did lead to free kicks the other way, which is not a stoppage of play, but it's just that right. the action led to an adverse an adverse thing because it with Buddy's case, it should have been a throw-in because the ball went out of play because Luke Ryan tackles him out of bounds well luke ryan begins to fall backwards and i buddy can feel him and i don't he's was rather frustrated at the time sydney wasn't playing very well and you literally and i agree with this this is one of the reasons why i agree it should have been a game fine he takes the funny from one hand puts it in the other hand and then throws the elbow back which again i am not agreeing with the action at all i am not but i i completely understand how the mro has ruled this because they had prior incidents that basically told us why they ruled that way yeah you got it you got to be consistent and that's the that's something that the afl traditionally has never been but it's good mm -hmm. to have that consistency in that scenario and i and i and i applaud that i think that was the correct decision uh going down i think it would have been more of a uh, disservice for the league just in general to have 
opposite have two other scenarios where it was overturned and this one wasn't i think that was um absolutely the the fair thing to do and in, in the way to handle it now looking at the the uh, the eight you and i were talking before we started recording about the uh well the jumble of of teams involved uh fighting for that eight spot the gws uh giants with 34 points a 96.6 percentage and then you got essendon who of course we were just talking about taking on the Swans this week at uh, with 32 with a 103. This is a huge game for the Bombers. They absolutely need this one. Uh, their percentage gives them a great chance to make the the final eight, but they got to find wins a lot in the next five games. Yeah, well, in the worst part for for Essendon is, is the fact is that you, you, they get the Swans this week, which is not an easy test. And unfortunately, they have a, they have a few outs this week due to some transitions. But th- their gift next week is the Western Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, you go two very very difficult games, and 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 looking at ladder position, they have to win at least one of these. They they have to win at least one of these games. The last two games of the season are, are relatively winnable games. The Gold Coast Suns and unfortunately your beloved uh, Collingwood Magpies is who they end the season with. But really the Bombers at this point, their, their destiny is in their own hands. They win three of these last four. I think they make the finals. But then it also does come down to who G, how GWS does. And if I remember correctly, GWS also... Um, does not have a, a very easy schedule to end the season with they play Port Adelaide this week, never mm-hmm. an easy test. Then they go Geelong, Richmond, Carlton. Geelong, number two, most likely I'm thinking potentially could be the minor premiers because they're playing such good footy right now. A Richmond team that's trying to get into the final search. They're very, very close. And a Carlton team that, quite frankly, this morning embarrassed St. Kilda uh, on Friday night footy in a game that St. Kilda needed to win to keep their finals hopes alive. Yeah. So it, the fascinating jumble of this eight through 12 and how they make it to eight, they lose. They make it to eight, they lose. It, it, it's it's almost like follow the leader. It's like playing, yeah. it's, it's like it's playing like, hopscotch. They're jumping, yeah. oh, they're jumping on it and they just can't it's, seem to get it right. Yeah. It's absolutely hilarious. It is. It's, it's, it's a hot potato. I, I don't want it. You have it. You know, and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's quite, like you said, it's quite humorous when you look at it. Uh, you mentioned them. Let's talk about Richmond. I I hate sleeping on them because, oh, hey, they're defending champs. They're the defend, they've won three of the last four flags. This is a, uh, you know, every time I've always said uh, you could put a, you could put a, uh, a stick in them and, and, and call them done. They always turn it around. And with five games left, I still think they got that opportunity. Uh, I just don't want to sleep on them. I know who they are and what they've done. I know this year's not been a successful campaign with what they've traditionally have had. But, man, that's the one one side I don't want to see in the top eight if it could happen. And it would be because that's the one that could sneak in who can make a run because of who they are and what they have achieved. Yes and no. Um, this Richmond team, uh, their heart and soul is gone. Dusty Dusty has a lacerated kidney. He's done for the season. And unfortunately, I think that is a massive blow. If Richmond gets in, 
I think Richmond gets in in eighth. And unfortunately, I think they fall to whoever falls in fifth just because I just don't know if they have the guns. Dusty Martin does so much in, in finals time. Him not being there is true. Conchin is still, eh, he's still not. There's something not right about him. They have so many injuries in their back line right now. They are literally held together with spit and duct tape. That's that's literally the way their back line is right now. They're they have a relatively uh road that I would believe could get them to the finals with really one difficult game. They play Fremantle this weekend off to stadium. But as I stated earlier, when Sydney played him, Nat Fife Walters not playing. I think Richmond should win this game, but Again, Frio at home and Optus Stadium somehow has pulled some miracles this year. So this is not an easy game. You play a North Melbourne team. Yes, they are in 18th. Yes, they are last. But right now, they are one of the hottest teams in the AFL right now. They have some big wins. They are playing tough, hard footy. They do not let you breathe. They just go after you at all costs. Only thing that bugs me a little bit is, is like Richmond, they lost their heart and soul and Ben Cunnington. Um, for those of you that don't know, he actually had to have surgery to remove a remove a tumor in in his um, testicular region, shall we say? And they are testing currently. They're hoping it's benign. The the tests are still going through. So, I as I said in a couple of the podcasts that I've done, we 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 wish him a speedy recovery. We hope that there's no cancerous issues, so he doesn't have any problems there. But that I think will hurt North Melbourne a little bit. So Richmond should win it, but North is just so so tricky that i i wouldn't pull it past them gws which as i said jekyll and hyde i gws we're going to get by week by week and especially that being round 22 with only one game left that could be an eliminator that could be whoever loses is done they will not make the final and then they end with the clarko last call of hawthorne which i mean could be the game to get him into the finals and Clarko has pulled some big ones this year. So including getting a draw over number over number one at the time, the Melbourne demons. So I completely believe Richmond can make it. It's their schedule is, is tricky. I'm not sure. Like, I'm not really sure. Is it a typical road where the Frio team? It's always pesky a North team. That's playing really good. A GWS team that can be very good at its time. And a Hawthorne team that at that time may be playing its last game for its greatest coach. So we will, we will really have to see. So I, I, I kind of agree with what, what Craig Wessel said on, in his podcast, Yank and the footy. He says, Richmond is kind of like Dracula. You got to put the stake through their hearts. That's my whole point. They're going to be out. So, yeah. and, and I completely agree with his mantra there because that's the way Richmond has been. They have gotten in and in the and- table before. So until they're officially eliminated, I, they're not off my radar. That's just the way I feel about the Tigers. As simple as that. The Tigers just can't. No, I mean, there's nothing that would make me happier than to see them not in the top eight, but uh, I, uh, yeah, until, until that, that stake is driven through the heart. No, I think you, you, you can never count them out even under the circumstances mm. that they're in. I think last season taught me that because uh, yeah, uh, it was, you know, Enough said. I don't want to revert Mm. bad memories. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But looking at, uh, well, the one team we haven't talked about that is right on the cuffs of the eight is Carlton. Uh, I don't know, man. They're, 
I just don't see it. Much as I would love to see them get there, I just don't see it. I, I think they're gonna fall. I think they're gonna fall one game short. Yeah, um, me too. This morning's there's this morning's brutalization of, of St. Kilda has got a few people leaning, but unfortunately, last week's loss to North Melbourne just literally threw an absolute time bomb into yeah. any chances they had into the finals. Unfortunately, and, and I I think their coach, Coach Teague, it will 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 find himself on the unemployment line at the end of this year. I hate saying that. I really I'm I'm never big with coaches being fired, especially when they've progressed at times. But this has been one of the most um underwhelming um underachieving so many unders i I can't think of them all right now them and st kilda have been two of the teams this season that i i had high hopes for um i i thought carlton was on its way to potentially being in that chance to make the finals and st kilda after last year finishing sixth and knocking out the doggies in the first round i legitimately thought st kilda was going to be in the finals this year and they have just fallen apart at the seams. Both of these teams, they they have their Achilles heel. For Carlton, it's giving up runs of four, five, and six mm-hmm. goals in a row to opponents. And St. Kilda, they will have a game where they look like they couldn't beat an under-18 side. And that's how sad these two have been performing. So this morning's result is not only shocking because St. Kilda had been playing better, Carlton had played one of its worst possible games the week before against North Melbourne. And it looked like they swapped jumpers. Yeah. It, Carlton looked like what St. Kilda had been the previous couple of weeks and St. Kilda looked like Carlton. They couldn't defend a wet paper sack with a hole in it. So that's kind of the, the crazy thing about this morning. I, I don't, I, I don't put a lot of stock into Carlton. Unfortunately, yeah, I just I, think. Yeah. I think yeah. you hit it on. I hit it again. You hit it on the nail. I, I, my two most disappointing teams this this uh, season has been St. Kilda and Carlton. I mean, it's just so inconsistent, so Jekyll and Hyde, as you put it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that was that was my team to watch this coming in. I think everyone had St. Kilda on their radar that this was mm-hmm. the year that they could get in the top four. This was the year that they can you know put themselves in position to uh, to make a serious run and. Man, I tell you what, talk about uh, one step forward, two steps back type uh, scenario. It has been the Saints this year. There's no question about that. And looking uh, forward here, uh, we mentioned them earlier at the top of the uh, the ladder, the Western Bulldogs. Man, they've been looking strong the last four or five weeks. They just continue uh, to play hard. I mean, I was I was talking about Melbourne a couple of weeks ago and saying, Hey, look, look at the demons, man. They're paying it. They're getting past what they need to do. They they've never got to this level of uh, top four. And, and they've always had that late season swan where they fall apart. I says, they're not doing it this year. They're, they're hanging in there. And then here comes the doggies. I mean, they're just, I, I tell you what, right now got to be odds on favorites uh, going into uh, the potential finals as a, uh, as a flag winner, the the doggies and the scary part about the doggies is they're not even at full strength. The, Adam Trelaw has been out for weeks with the syndesmosis of his ankle. Josh Dunkley has been out with a COVID scare. He had to sit because he went to a coffee shop, mm-hmm. which ended up being branded a tier one COVID exposure. So he had to sit out. So you, there, there's two, two really solid midfielders that are 
that are both not in the lineup. Trelore won't be back till probably round 23 at the, er at the earliest. He may not even be back to the first week of the finals, which then we don't know his conditioning. And, and with the D's on the other side, they've regressed a little bit. I, the, their offense that, that really helped them win a lot of games by nice margins has abandoned them for some weird reason everything forward of the midfield is just not clicking right now they've had constant fluctuation of ben brown is in well then weedering's in and then neither of them are in and so they they, they can't seem to find what they had at the start of the year and, and as i've said a couple of times I'm almost worried they peaked too early. I'm worried they peaked round 10 or 12. And now they're regressing back to the mean. They're regressing back to the old Melbourne that always finds a way to lose games they shouldn't. And I'm worried now they may fall out of the, the of the four, uh, out of the top four and fall yeah. into an elimination final. And this team has not always played well, well. In, in eliminator style of games. And if you let a Sydney or a Brisbane get into the top four, that makes your, your road to the finals that much harder. So I don't know. I, I would, I would say the doggies are one of them, but don't, don't sleep on Geelong. You cannot sleep on this veteran stingy, absolutely spectacular footy team. And they as well are not full strength. Jeremy Cameron is not there. Grant Myers is still hurt. Um, uh, Duncan is still hurt, probably won't be back till the start of the finals as well. So that's what's really scary about these top two teams with Geelong and, and the Western Bulldogs is they're not even full strength and they're beating the Western Bulldogs coming off an impressive 20 point win over the Melbourne Demons, which, like I said, has started all the questions again and has said, is it Geelong and the Western Bulldogs primed to meet in the grand final? It should be uh, pretty interesting to say the least. Uh, going down here in the next few weeks. Hey, there's one more uh, thing I wanted to talk to you about. And a matter of fact, I want to get it correct here because I don't want to screw it up. Uh, here we go. The prelim final day is today in the VFW or the VFLW. And it's going to happen and it's going to be streamed live on the AFL uh, app or the AFL live app, I should say. And it's the Cats and the Bombers. Uh, I don't know how much you paid attention to it, but I've been uh, catching some of the games on YouTube this season on the VFLW, and it has been spectacular. I'm looking forward to this one tonight. It'll be very interesting. This this VFLW, the VFLW, I love it because it is a combination of AFLW players that mm -hmm. want to continue to play in the fall season and young up-and-comers or players that just aren't on AFLW sides. In fact, if I remember correctly, the, the Essendon side had four players drafted in the AFLW draft, which happened uh, earlier this week on Tuesday, mm -hmm. which was absolutely fantastic to see the, these some of these um, girls that are maybe not 18, 19, 20, 2021 that maybe didn't get drafted their first year that have impressed enough to, to get themselves on the map. But uh, yeah, I, unfortunately I haven't really been massively paying attention to the VFLW. There's so much footy going on. Sometimes it's hard to keep track of it all. <laughs> I've been trying, I've been, I've, I've been trying to keep the AFLW stuff going because the, the sign and trade period was absolutely mm -hmm. insane with Taylor Harris now joining the Melbourne demons live from the Geelong Cats joining the Demons. I think honestly, right now, I'm, I'm sitting here going, the Melbourne Demons and the AFLW are looking absolutely scary mm. going into this season. And then the fact that the Richmond Tigers get uh, get the Hoskins twins 
back together after um, the one one of them they, left for the Richmond Tigers. Now they're both in Richmond colors. So I'll be very interested to see how Richmond does this year. Um, but uh, everything that I've seen, Collingwood and Essendon have been two of the better teams in the VFLW from the results that I have seen. That will be an absolutely cracking game. This man, I've got I've got so much footy in the next twenty four hours. It's absolutely I I'm 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 gonna burst with all of this. There's there's a game of AFL starting, I think in a little over an hour from yes. now. And then you've got that. And then there's you got there's the swans 40s. late tonight. Yes. Or 40 AM. And I've, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pay for it tomorrow, <laughs> but I'm going to get up. I'll be up at 440. And the best part is by the time that game's over, I'll probably only have about an hour before I have to head down to the fields for our preparation for our game since our, we're going to try to get our game done about 11 o'clock our time. So that way we're not playing super into the afternoon. Everybody can have their afternoon off, uh, to enjoy some after, after, after game drinks and different things like that, which is, I think is kind of nice about that. But yeah, um, I'd love if, if you do see it, I'd love to find out how it goes. I'm going to try to keep in, I'm going to try to find the scores for it. I know going into this off season, the VFL and VFLW, there's a lot of people not happy because they weren't updating the app um, as much. And that really frustrated a lot of people because there are a lot of people that keep an eye on the VFL and VFLW just because it yeah. is a feeder system to the AFL and the NFL. If it's footy on, I'll watch it. It doesn't matter who it is or where it's at. Uh, I'll, I'll check it out. And it, it's always fun. Donnie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. Best of luck tomorrow with the, uh, the roosters. Keep us in touch. Let us know uh, when the sub regionals happen or afterwards, give us a, a review of what, what happened. And uh, again, always an open invitation here on Radio MVP. Not a problem, sir. And for, for anybody that's listening, if, if you want to keep an eye on our club, and again, and again, if you are in Ohio, the Columbus Cats are not too far from you. Cleveland Cannons are also in that area. If you have a chance, support your USAFL team because these guys, they love footy. They, they love talking about it. And, and I would say if you, if you can get a chance to make it to mini region, to, to sub-regionals in Cincinnati next weekend, go. It is a blast. There's so many, there's footy games going on for most of the day. You can talk about footy all the time. If you want to learn about footy, we will help teach you. And then you can find out where your local club is and who knows, maybe you get somebody that lives in Cincinnati or Dayton that wants to start a team. And maybe we can get another team there in Ohio. You never know. It's very possible. Hey, again, Donnie, best of success the rest of the way. Stay in touch. Uh, uh, always a uh, uh, pleasure talking uh footy with you not just uh us afl and the afl and aflw and vflw it doesn't really matter to me what we talk about i just really appreciate your time and again uh much success going forward absolutely no problem tim keep up the great work the podcast is awesome and uh anytime you want me to come on let me know i'd love to talk finals love to talk grand final you just let me know we'll do that that's coach donnie hess of the des moines roosters I want to take this opportunity once again to thank Donnie Hess for coming on the podcast, talking footy with us, giving us an update on the Roosters, and talking footy for round 20 of the AFL. You can follow Donnie on Twitter at Coach Hess 40 and you can follow the Roosters on Twitter at DM Rooster Footy. And you can also find them on the internet on their website, DesMoinesRoosters.com. 
And Donnie also is part of a podcast called Fourth and Long. And you can find out more information on Twitter at that, at Fourth and Long. And of course, you can find out more information about the USAFL on Twitter at USAFL1997. So once again, thank you, Donnie, for coming on the podcast. Thank you most of all for listening to the podcast. Give us a rating and review anywhere you may download this podcast. Love to hear from you. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon right here on Radio MVP. Always, as I like to tell everyone, tell your family, friends, and enemies about Radio MVP. Peace.